Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is Astros hard-throwing relief prospect, Jonathan Sprinkle, who spent last season pitching at three different levels, three different minor league levels, Asheville, Fayetteville, and finishing in Corpus with the Hooks. Thanks for joining me, Jonathan. And where exactly are you at the moment? Which city? Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm actually in spring training right now. We're having a little mini camp going on right now. So I'm over in West Palm Beach, Florida at the spring training facility. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a little bit later what's all going on with that. But quick reminder for anyone listening to the podcast that you can also watch us on YouTube. And a little bit of background on you, Jonathan. As we start, you're born in Overland Park, Kansas, a suburb of Kansas City. Then you spent three seasons at the University of Central Missouri before signing with the Astros. This means that you actually played at Jim Crane Stadium, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, they actually just did a renovation on it. Uh, I think they just finished it last year, so I wasn't able to see that renovation. But, yeah, it's a beautiful place. Love central Missouri and nothing but good things there. How was it? How was the stadium? Was it nicer than other conference stadiums? Is it a little more tricked out? Oh, absolutely. I think it's one of the best T2 stadiums out there, to be honest with you. And then especially with the new renovation, they just got a brand new clubhouse, brand new athletic training room. All the coaches got brand new uh, offices. So it's pretty it's pretty decked out now. I haven't been able to walk into it yet because they finished it right after COVID. And then uh, they got into things. So I kind of let it, let things be. And then I got put here. So I'm going to go see it probably in person next off season. But I mean, they're rolling right now. They're doing their thing, and I'm proud of them, so roll stable. Oh, yeah, and, and did you ever get a chance to meet Crane himself? I did, actually, yeah. It was when we were went to the Houston Invitational every year. Central Missouri goes to it every year down, and we play at Minute Maid. Crane is always nice enough to invite us to a suite for dinner uh, the, like the night before everything starts, and he would always talk to us, and I got to talk to him a little bit uh, after dinner was over for like five, 10 minutes, uh, which was really cool. But I mean, he's a great guy. He's very generous and uh, very blessed to be there and very blessed to be where I'm at, I'm at right now. Well, we mentioned Warrensburg, where Central Missouri is at, believe it or not. I've been to Warrensburg once. My mom's from Joplin, Missouri. So coming out of high school in Houston, I go to Missouri Southern in Joplin. I know you know where I'm going with this. Before uh, I finished up at the University of Missouri Journalism School, I was down at Southern and Joplin. Most people listening won't know, but Missouri Southern's in Central Missouri's conference, the MIAA. Uh, I did TV play-by-play for Missouri Southern Lions football and basketball. Unfortunately, Jonathan, I get to, didn't get to do any baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Missed out there. Missed out there. Uh, you signed as a free agent not long after they instituted this much shorter MLB draft, only five rounds you were projected, from what I understand, somewhere between the 10th and the 14th round. What did you think when you heard about the shorter draft? Did you like the idea? I was disappointed, to be totally honest with you, because there was a lot of guys that definitely got screwed a little bit on the money side of things. But me and my agency kind of went into that free agent talk. I had I had talked to a couple other teams before the draft happened. Me and my family watched the draft happen, and obviously I didn't get picked up, which was a little disappointing, but anything could have happened in the five in the five rounds that happened. Some teams went for a little shorter pay on some guys. Some teams went all out on some guys because it was only five rounds. A lot of teams took different aspects of it. But uh, the two-day grace period where nobody could talk to anybody, we kind of talked to my agency, talked to my family. We 
we're, we're opening the door to free agency, but honestly, I didn't have a decision made on whether I was going to go back or sign or what. I just wanted to hear everything out. And Houston was right on me, right out of the rip when free agent talk happened. And it was between Houston and, and another team at the end of the day. And I went to bed, kind of slept on it, woke up the next day and decided to go with Houston. And I'm very grateful I did. I'm loving the process and I'm very grateful for everything that I've done. And I'm excited to see what I'm going to continue to do. I'm wondering what your impression of the Astros were because, you know, the last couple of years they've been enemy number one around baseball. Is that something that you thought about coming in? Oh, it was hilarious, actually. Yeah. So I thought about that. And, and especially when in 2021, when minor league season came back in full force, I mean, sure, we heard the whole, you know, stereotypical chirps about all of that. And it was kind of funny, though, is that that was in 17, right? And I was graduating high school, like I wasn't any anywhere close to where I was. And where I am now and it's just kind of funny because everyone's going to have their one shirt but at the end of the day it's just noise and you just got to cancel it out and do your job and that's just kind of what we did and that's kind of how I went at things throughout the whole season and dealing with it wasn't really a challenge and it wasn't really like a thing any of us had to work against because we weren't on that team we weren't like we're all focusing on getting the job done every night and continuing to get better so noise is noise you know you're from the Kansas City area. Were you rooting against the Astros? Be honest with me now, in, in 2015 in the NLDS. Yeah, no, I was actually there at one of the games when Kendrys Morales hit a home run off of Dallas Keuchel. I can't remember what, I think it was maybe it was game five, but one of those games, and that was electric. Um, I hate to say that against the Astros because I love this organization, but you know, I'm a Kansas City boy, so I love my Royals. But yeah, that game was insane. I was there with a couple of buddies and it's the second loudest stadium I've ever been in because, but you know, Arrowhead takes the, uh, takes the cake on that one. So. Yeah. That place is, I've been there on the field in the middle of a game. It's the loudest stadium. I always tell people the mm -hmm. loudest place that I've been and I've been to 110,000 at the University of Tennessee for football. Mm -hmm. I've been to a lot of different places. It's the loudest place. You're, you're a Royals guy. Who who were your guys growing up? Who, who were your baseball heroes, the guys you looked up to? I loved Alex Gordon for a long time. He was a great character on and off the field. He did things for the community that kind of go unseen that really should get more light. I mean, he's a great guy. I loved Danny Duffy, watching him growing up a little bit. I mean, he's a phenomenal pitcher with a great fastball. In 2015, they when they had that insane bullpen of Herrera and Davis and um, blanking on the third name. Oh, it's been a while for me too. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, but that that three pitch mix out of the bullpen was insane, and that was fun, really fun to watch. But yeah, I'm gonna go with Alex Gordon. He's probably one of my childhood guys growing up that I love to watch. And I know I'm a pitcher, but I mean, the way he carries himself on and off the field, in my opinion, like, uh, and the things he did for the community were really good, especially personally, because he helped my brother out when my brother was going through some things, which was really nice. And he did not have to do what he did, but he did. And it was extremely generous. And it was very, very thoughtful. And he meant a lot to my brother. So can you explain that a little bit? What, what was that all about? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, my brother, when he was 10, was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, lymphoma cancer. He was a big fan of baseball, and that kind of ended his you know, career at a, short, at a young age. But he just always loved to be around the game and kind of understand things. And Alex Gordon has a charity that he uh, does around Kansas City. 
And my brother went to a couple of times and he met him and Alex signed a couple of things for him and talked with him and kind of had conversations here and there with him. And it was really cool to kind of see this big leaguer who pretty much is going to be in Kansas City forever and retired in Kansas City and was a Kansas City hero, be with this, you know, 10, 11 year old kid that's, you know, struggling, going through things. And it was really cool for him to take time out of his day and do all that. And I'm forever grateful for him. How did what happened to your brother affect you and, and your life and you know how you look at things yeah no for sure he uh i mean that was when i was in high school and i mean it affected our family tremendously i mean we had uh you know nights to where it was it was rough socially it was a little weird too because you know you got looked at in a different light and i just honestly wanted what was best for my brother and i woke up went to school went to after school, went to practice, went home, did homework for a little bit, went to the hospital, saw him, went back, did more homework, went to bed, restart the day. That was my day, daily routine for a long time. But he's doing great now. He's in full remission. He's a fully healthy kid. He's good. Yeah, I'm happy and blessed for him to be where he's at now because it was it was a rough it was a rough two years. But he's he's fine. He's about to turn 19 actually. So congrats to him. Did he get a chance to come see you at all in any of your three stops this past year? Yeah, he 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 definitely has. It's funny because uh, me and him talk about baseball a good amount, and even though he doesn't play anymore, he still he still enjoys the game and watching it with me and my dad whenever we were at home. And he always watched my college games. And he always listened in on the radio with my dad, so that was kind of their way of bonding even more. And I'm happy that I could you know help be more of a talk and help them out, however they. Uh, needed to because I mean him going through what it went through and having the social aspect taken away from him for three years growing up is hard so him kind of getting back the swing of things with that with being able to have conversations with people about just normal things which baseball was a big part of that for him so that was that was nice wow yeah that's that's really cool um let's get to the this past year with you and the Astros organization because this is your first year you move up real quickly 44 innings 3.48 3.48 ERA, you average nearly 17 strikeouts per nine innings. How did you feel about moving up so quickly and having that kind of success? Were you surprised? Yeah, honestly, a little bit. When I started off in Loa in Fayetteville, I was honestly just really happy to break with the team. That was one of my goals in spring training was just to break off with the team because, you know, I was a free agent sign out of COVID. So, you know, something like that could easily get, you know, swept under the rug a little bit. So I was just really pushing to break off with the team. Ended up doing it, breaking off of the team. My walks were pretty high in Fayetteville. I do remember that. But uh, I was also <laughs> striking out a good amount of guys. And I know that me and my pitching coach and the and pitching directors and all that were talking. And we were working on mechanical stuff in order for me to kind of get my body under control in order to not have violent, you know, pulls uh, glove side and have all that jazz affect my game. And then moved up to Asheville, lo- uh, tourist. That was fun. Definitely an elevation change from Fayetteville. That's for sure. And that stadium, that stadium is definitely not pitcher friendly at all. <laughs> you 95 down the right field line. Brutal. Wow. But you know, it is what it is and you have to adapt to the field that you're on. So, you know, you make adjustments and you make notes of how hitters kind of go at things in Asheville because it's a very different ballpark from how everyone else has played. Like, that and Rome are completely opposites because Rome is very hard to get the ball in the air and have it go in Asheville. You can, you know, flick your wrist at it and it's going to be a home run. So that was a very interesting part for me on just learning how to go from stadium to stadium and how hitters kind of change who they are and their approach at the stadium. That was a big kind of thing for me to learn. 
And then Corpus was a lot of fun. I was there for the last month and a half of the season. That for me, my adjustment there had to be the big misses and especially guys at that level. The eye gets so much better. They're very, very disciplined with their strike zone. Not a whole lot of swing and misses happen at uh, the higher you get. So for me, it was able to locate stuff in and out of the zone, you know, two, three, two, four inches off the plate, however you wanted to attack a hitter, how you wanted to, um, execute your pitches went hand in hand. I mean, that for me was the biggest thing. And then I was able to get my walks under control halfway through Asheville, I believe. And then I was pretty good from there on out. But yeah, definitely don't want to have the walks recreate this year. So I'm going to continue harping on that because that was my biggest takeaway. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, three levels in one season was a lot of fun. I'm very happy that I was able to do it. And I'm, I'm just excited to see where the uh, where this year goes because who knows? Sky's the limit. You mentioned it. You were in Asheville, Fayetteville, the Woodpeckers, the Corpus Christi Hooks. Favorite uniform of those three? Uh-huh. Oh, that's a good question. Oh, man. Wow, I wasn't ready for that. I liked Fayetteville's jerseys. I liked the all-black ones because I've never worn an all-black jersey in my life, so that was kind of funky and new. But the Beer City jerseys in Asheville were pretty cool. Those were those are pretty electric. So either the the military appreciation ones in Fayetteville or the Beer City in Asheville, those are my top two. I don't know if I can pick one out of those top two, but I'm going to go with those. Yeah, some pretty good stuff to choose from, I think, with the Astros minor league system. We should mention also that you were a reliever in college, too. You went from starter to reliever from high school to college. A lot of guys have to make that adjustment from starter to reliever when they move to the minors. So I'm assuming that helped a ton. Oh, I loved it. I mean, that was one of the things that was funny is that whenever we were having meetings through COVID and all that via Zoom, guys were still figuring out, are you going to be a reliever? Are you going to be a starter? I mean, I, I was happy that the second I signed that we were like, you are solely a reliever. It's not even in the question. This is what you are. And I, was, I was all for it. I love it. I love pitching in high leverage spots. I love being able to come into the game to help out starters if they need it. I've always like relieving more just because it's kind of a throw into the fire and see what you do kind of thing. And I always like that. And my one start I had, or my, yeah, the first start I ever had in college wasn't too great. So that's fine with me. <laughs> tell, tell the Astros fans out there who haven't seen you, your, your pitching repertoire, what, what your style is, you know, how, how you do things on the mound. And I should tell everyone who isn't familiar with you, that you're six foot six, which is about one foot taller than an Altuve, our universal Astros measurement. So pretty big guy out there, pretty imposing on the mound. Yeah, no, for sure. I uh, I have three pitches. I have a cutter, a slider, and a splitter. Uh, the splitter is pretty new, actually. I think you're the first person I've actually told about that. So we just started messing with it a little bit. Also have a little bit of a sinker. It's not anything crazy right now, but it's another pitch that I'm kind of working on going. It's trying to split the plate horizontally both sides. But the cutter, I think, is my is what kind of makes me unique is I hold it like a true four seam, but I get on the side of the baseball to where when I spin it, I you still get true backspin and you still get backspin spin but I'm on the side of it where whenever it's coming out of my hand, it you can't see the dot because it's on a, probably like a two to six scale on like a clock or not two to six, sorry, a two to seven, two to eight on a, on a clock to where you don't see the dot, but it's coming at you here and then it dives in at the, at the very end. So that's kind of my unique thing that makes me who I am as a reliever. And that's kind of helped 
one thing that makes me successful. But that, a slider that I throw probably, it's my go-to pitch in a lot of counts, no matter if I'm ahead or behind. I, I have a kind of a get-me-over and then a put-away pitch with it. And then the splitter's pretty new. Um, I've got the shape pretty much down. Now I got to get the control to go with it. And then the sinker is just kind of the same as the slider. It just goes the opposite direction. So I've been able to play with a lot of stuff and I'm, I got a, I got a good feeling about all of them and I'm excited to see where, see where they're at this year and kind of dive in at it. You said you were trying to get that control a little bit better as the year went on last year. Then you add in another pitch. I mean, that's a whole other deal. Now you got to figure out how to control yet another pitch. Yeah, no, for sure. It's definitely a tall order. I think I can do it because I've been throwing the the two seam sinker, whatever you want to call it, for a while now. I threw it all off season. The splitter is going to be the most new, just in the fact of I'll be honest with you, I've only thrown it for you know a week, and I got the movement down, which is nice, but I don't have the control aspect of it. So that's one thing I'm gonna that's going to be my honing in on spring training with. Um, that's going to be my big spring training, but everything else I honestly feel pretty comfortable with uh cutter's hard it's right where i want it to be sinker's pretty good it's just a little bit off the cutter sliders the same sliders last year so i'm excited to kind of get that that was my big weapon last year and it's going to continue to be my big weapon and then the splitter is just going to be something that we'll see it's going to be something that i'm going to throw and if it gets good feedback it gets good feedback if it gets not then i have my sinker so i can split the play both ways that way so either or i'll have something Looking forward to seeing how your numbers are going to be looking this year. We'll follow along with that. And the Astros organization has this reputation for being very cutting edge with everything. Is there anything in particular that they surprised you with that they showed you, or maybe they've had you add in the last year or just something that is different from a technological standpoint or whatever? I, I used to counter rotate pretty bad that they, that they wanted to kind of eliminate a little bit. So I, I used to spin almost kind of like hater to where my back was like fully towards the, the hitter whenever I lifted my leg. It kind of had a false perception for me. And it, even though I thought it helped, it really didn't when it came down to the to the metrics of it. So they got rid of that and it helped my control out a lot because I was able to keep everything going directionally toward my target, not spinning and then flying away on it. Um, so that helped a lot. Tempo for me is big. I like to keep my tempo the same on everything, even if it's ball, strike, hit, strike out, walk, whatever it is. Tempo was a big thing for me. Um, and then a uh, funny story is my, when I first got into the organization, I, I was a two pitch mix, right? I, I had a cutter and a curveball. And I mean, I thought my curveball was pretty good in college. I got a good amount of swing and misses on it. You know, it's college, right? So you think your stuff is great. Then I got here and then we went through the metrics of it and then I kind of went through it and they were just like, no, we're, we're banging this immediately. So that's no longer in the arsenal, which is fine by me. But yeah, I mean, learn this, uh, learn my slider. That's been a really good weapon for me. I'm able to tunnel it pretty well off of everything else. So it's, it was, it was really good for me last year. Which catchers did you work with over the last year? Did you work with Corey Lee and Yanir Diaz? Yeah, I've probably worked with almost everybody in the organization. <laughs> I was with Neri Rodriguez in Loe, a guy that got released by our organization. And then CJ Stubbs, Corey Lee, Yonder Diaz, Luke Berryhill, Sean Manea. Am I missing anybody? This is an incredible list just for one. I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? Um, I think, yeah. I mean, I the only people that I didn't work with was... Garrett Stubbs, but he got traded away to the to the Phillies, yeah. Yeah, and then I didn't work with Papirski, but 
beyond that, I think I worked with everybody. So, I mean, everybody kind of knows me and my repertoire and how I go at things, which is nice. And I mean, all those guys are extremely talented and they all kind of catch differently and have their own way of going at things. So for me, it was really interesting to kind of learn how each catcher likes to kind of go at things. But they do an incredible job of listening to, you know, us, the pitchers and kind of what we want to do. But they're really good at uh, knowing how much freedom to give us. You know, if we are like dead set on throwing one pitch, they'll allow us to do it but if they if we think we want to execute this pitch and they don't really like it we'll kind of have a meeting and discuss it and figure out what's the best way because you know catchers see things differently than pitchers right they, they could see you know maybe he's setting up a little bit different in the box compared to how the last pitch maybe he took a bad swing a really bad swing that they can see that i couldn't see maybe they muttered something underneath their breath that i can't hear but the catchers can hear you know all those subconscious things that hitters may or may not do um, the catchers can see pretty well, so maybe they see it, maybe they don't. But I mean, they do an incredible job of of working with us and making sure we're all on the same page and making sure that all all the pitchers are the best versions of ourselves. Lots of excitement about Corey Lee. He's going to be in Sugarland this year. Yeah, Astros fans want to know about him. What can you tell us about Corey Lee? What what, what impressed you about him? Oh, he's elite. I mean, anything that kid does. I mean, he's 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 special and. Um, I'm very happy to work with him and me and him talk a lot in the hotel at the field and kind of all that jazz. And he's a special kid. He's going to be, he's going to be there and he's going to do great things for the Astros community. I, I promise you that. One thing that I really like about Corey is kind of the way that he goes at catching. He's not a traditional catcher in the me, in, in my opinion, this is all my opinion. He'll kind of be, he'll be very lenient, but he'll also be very intense. And what I mean by that is like, He's he's with you every single pitch. Uh, he's committed to what you, whatever you want to throw, and if you throw with conviction, then it is the right pitch, no matter what. He's extremely talented with the bat. I mean, knows every pitcher's you know quirks, how he goes at things, how maybe this is the this is the good shape and the normal shape that we're wanting on a pitch, and maybe if it wasn't exactly the the correct shape, do we, do we go to the to the third pitch? Do we go back to the first pitch? You know, how, how do we want to attack that guy? compared to a different guy but i mean he he knows everything about that for everybody and it's pretty it's 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 pretty fun and he's gonna be he already is but he's gonna be really good that's exciting to hear and i understand they're also trying to turn jc correa uh carlos's <laughs> brother yeah into a catcher what mm-hmm. do you think about that because i think you were you would have uh played with them last year as well yeah i played with them in fayetteville and in Asheville. first off that kid's bat is electric that's a really good bat. He had a stretch in high where he was hitting like 460 at one point or something ridiculous like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I was a little surprised. Apparently, I mean, me being who I am, I was surprised. I thought he did a great job at second and first. And I kind of thought that's where they, he was going to make his home. But if they want him catching and they see something in him that's going to be successful in catching, then, you know, more power to him. He makes him more versatile, right? I saw some videos on Instagram with him catching and it looked pretty good. So I'm excited to kind of get with him and me and him have talked and he's excited to catch me and kind of see how my stuff is from a different side of things. And I'm excited to see what he has to bring to the table too. So, I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to, to get him back there and see what happens. That should be interesting. Uh, we're, we're hoping to keep both Correa's in the organization. Yeah. Uh, who, who in the organization has helped you the most so far with advice on or off the field, who's been the most helpful for you? Oof! Wow, that's a great question. 
Are you referring to players or are you referring to managers, coaches, or are you talking overall? You go any direction you want. Hmm. I think with mentality, I'm going to break this into some sections because <laughs> I, don't, I can't give you one overall. That's all Menta- right. Mentality, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to give uh, Cesar Gomez, Jason Schroeder, guys that I roomed with in Fayetteville. I mean, those guys were phenomenal and they kind of, we all talked, you know, after games, before games in the apartment, wherever we could be about the mentality of the game, because I mean, those guys, the stuff is really good. And I mean, we talked all the time about how do we want to attack hitters? How do we come out with a presence on the mound? That's, you know, like I'm here, but it's not, it doesn't come off cocky in a way. Um, how to kind of act, how to talk, how to self-motivate ourselves, how to keep ourselves in the moment instead of letting the moment get either too big or too small. I mean, we talked about this stuff all the time at Fayetteville. So like those guys were incredible for my mental game, kind of helped me understand pro ball a little bit differently. So those guys, I mean, shout out to them. They're awesome. Mark McClare was another one of those guys. And then mechanical wise, Eric Neeson, the high pitching coach in Asheville last year, helped me a ton, kind of slow myself down and get the walks under control and continue to let my stuff be my stuff. And he did a great job of just kind of honing me in and harnessing me in order to kind of understand who I am. That was awesome. And then from a catching perspective, I, I like to talk to the hitters. So, you know, Corey Lee was another guy that I like to talk to to see what he sees behind the plate. Uh, CJ Stubbs is another one that really kind of helped me. And he talked, he talked to me about a lot of things, which was nice. I'm going to go with those guys. And I'm, I know I'm missing guys that I've definitely talked to and I've definitely, they definitely helped me along the way. But off the top of my head right there, because that was a great question. Those are my guys that I'm going to roll with for right now. Which relief pitcher in the bigs do you sort of model yourself after? Is there somebody that you think of yourself like or you kind of try to emulate? In college, it was Hayter. I loved Hayter. I loved his fastball. I loved his presence. I loved his slider. I mean, he's an all-star. There's not getting much better than that. But uh yeah, I mean, I was compared to Will Harris a little bit with his cutter and the way he throws things. But yeah, I mean, I, I was a big hater fan in college, just kind of watching it. And that was one of the things that they had me, you know, stop doing was the counter rotation part of it because I watched him so many times and I, I, I just wanted to emulate it because, I mean, he threw such a good fastball and I really wanted that in my arsenal. So I was, you know, watching video all the time, trying to kind of blend his game into mine and make it a little bit of what, a little bit of my own. So. Hater for sure. I uh, wish we could have kept Hater in Houston. And, and I miss Will, really one of my favorite guys to talk to in the locker room, for sure. Just a really great guy. Uh, last year, they tried those new rules in the minors. What did you think of the rule in AA? Let's start with that one. All, all four infielders, I believe, needed to have their cleats within the outer boundary of the infield dirt when the pitch was thrown. Yeah, they had to be there. Um, honestly, I didn't really – I wasn't there in AA. I was there for the last – month and a half of the season in double a so those rules were already out by that point oh, okay um but Asheville and Fayetteville were the ones where we had to emulate the the different rules Asheville was different and I didn't really like it to be honest with you that you had to disengage the rubber before you picked I understand that they wanted to get more stolen bases and get runners in advantage but it took away the aspect of picking somebody off and I, I understand there were still got guys who got picked off but I mean, having a really good pickoff move to where you can just spin and throw the ball over the first fast, like that's a skill. And some guys rely on that heavily and you took that away from them. So I wasn't a fan of it. I don't have a great pickoff move to be a thousand percent honest with you. Um, <laughs> it's 
something I'm working on right now. But I mean, for the guys that have, you know, A plus moves, you just took away one of their best weapons. And I think that for a guy that has that skill, that's kind of bogus because they work on it and they deserve to have it. But I understand what the league was trying to do and get more stolen bases. And then in low A, you only had, I think it was, it was two. You only had two times where you could step off the rubber. And then on the third one, if you did it, you had to get the guy out or it was considered a balk. That one, I kind of liked a little better, but at the same time, it, 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 it got a little annoying because if it was nighttime and you couldn't see your catcher signs, or if you, you know, had a runner at first and it was a close game and you had a pick off and then you were looking and you couldn't see your catcher signs, you can't just step off and step back on and like do one of these. I mean, you had to just sit there and stare and it got, it slowed the game even more down, which they're trying to speed the game up. So I think that was a little detrimental because I remember me and Nario like weren't on the same page at one game in Fayetteville and I couldn't see his signs and I already picked off and I already stepped off once. So I had to just, I just sat there on the mound with like just staring at him. I couldn't see it. I couldn't step off. I just stared at him for like probably 25 seconds. There's nothing I could have done at that point. So finally the batter called time and then Nario came out and we got on the same page. But like I was relying on the hitter to call time. I couldn't call time myself or it would have been a balk. So that one I didn't, I didn't like as much, but it, it made more sense in my eyes than not being able to pick off in high A. Is there any as a player or even as a fan watching that you would like the major leagues to, to take in and give a shot? Because, you know, speeding up the game obviously is, is such a, you know, it's such a bit of the conversation over the last few years. I don't know. I mean, there's a there's a positive and a negative to every side. So, I mean, you could talk about the shift, but I mean, I think Gallo had a good point that he tweeted about today. That was, you know, if there's four guys sitting in the outfield, and there's four guys on one side of the plate. Like it's hard for him to get base hits, which then makes him not as an elite hitter. And I understand the counterpoint of that as well. Learn to go opposite field, but that's really hard when you already have so much success with the way you've been doing things and then the league, you know, makes it to where now you can shift to where it's different. But I mean, there's analytical sides to everything. There's opinions to everything. I like the clock. I think the clock's a good thing. Keep the clock in. I think shifts should be a thing personally as a pitcher. I mean, you can set up your defense wherever you want. I understand how hitters don't like it and I get it. But in my opinion, as a pitcher, I mean, I'm all for it. You can make the shift a permanent thing. Ecstatic that the universal DH is now a thing because I don't want to hit. <laughs> I don't. I don't need that in my life. <laughs> I don't want it. I, my job is to throw and only throw. What, what was your uh, What was your numbers in in college? Did you get to hit much? No, I didn't. Hit. I was. A, I was. I hit. I was strictly a pitcher in college. I hit in high school, but not in college. No, but I think if you're gonna make the universal DH thing, I think you should add another spot to the big league roster just to kind of throw the universal DH so somebody else doesn't get screwed, you know, in the bullpen or somewhere else. I think that should be a thing. But beyond that, I mean, no, I mean, I don't know anything about the talk going on with the PA and the MLB. I haven't heard anything. I even if I did, I can't say anything. So I mean, I'm gonna leave that up to the big boys to decide, and then whenever they decide, we're just gonna go play. So. I just want to play. I just want to have fun. And that's kind of why I'm here, just to keep keep moving my way up. The only thing I want to ask you about any of that, and, and this might, I'm hoping this is going to go up and they're going to have already decided this because I might wait a couple of days to put this thing up. But is, is this affecting anything about what you do or is what is the lockout 
do as far as you, as far as, you know, your timeline or, or how you do things over the next uh, few weeks and going into the season? All the minor leaguers are just going going at things at normal, and then anybody on the forty man that business is their business. Um, but no, we're minor league season still up, still up, and we're gonna play, and we're just focused on that. Couple of super serious questions: What's your walkout song? <laughs> Disturbia by Rihanna, hands down. That or uh, Desperado? That's another one. Rihanna's my girl. I love her. She is she's crowd friendly, gets the juices going, and Hopefully we can hit some PRs this year with that. So that's what I'm going to roll with. And my trainer back at home and one of my best friends that lives in Texas now, they both know that that's my, that that's my walkout and that's what we're going to roll with. So Rihanna, Rihanna forever. I like that. I'm a Rihanna <laughs> fan as well. Who's the craziest character or most off the wall personality of the guys you played with in the organization so far since you've seen so many of these guys? Are you talking just like the energy every day? Is that what you're referring to? Take it where you want. I, I, it doesn't matter. Mm, okay. Uh, is there a, is there, was there a trickster? Was there a guy you know, <laughs> pulling stuff all the time? Uh, any of that? There wasn't really tricksters. I mean, there were guys that were really funny. Danny Cody is hilarious. And he's a guy I like to enjoy spending time with. Chandler Casey's another one who's pretty funny. These were guys in high A. Freelian Garcia, he's really funny. Not really a whole lot of tricksters or anything like that, but guys who just brought like really good energy to the field. JC Correa is one of them. CJ Stubbs is another one. Did you see any guys with a really strange good luck ritual? You're like, what? What is? He, what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's guys that put the headphones on and kind of go through their you know routine of things. But um, Kennedy Corona had this routine, and I mean, it's all for him. But he like went all the way around the batter circle and kind of did his thing. And it it, it took a little bit, but he, he ended up getting there and going. But no, he I mean, he's a good player. He's he he likes to have fun. So yeah. It was a little Bull Durham-ish, it sounds like, maybe. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he did his thing and he balled out. So, you know, more power to him. Well, man, it's been fantastic talking to you and uh, getting to know you. I could I could do this for a long time, but I, I, I know uh, you got places to go. Before we finish up, though, would you like to plug some of your social media handles in case any Astros followers want to connect with you? Yeah, it's jsprink underscore, and I think that's Instagram and Twitter. Oh, I should ask you, who is there a great follow of the Astros minor leaguers? Like who should Astros fans check out on Instagram and Twitter? Is, is there somebody that we need to go look for? I mean, Correa has got a really good, uh, JC Correa has got a really good following. Everyone, honestly, there hasn't been a whole lot of things going on social media wise with everything going on. But Correa, definitely, I'm watching his uh, catching highlights keep going and watching him keep better at that. So that, that was a lot of fun. But yeah, feel free to, you know, follow me and see what I'm up to. So yeah, absolutely. Well, man, it, it's been a pleasure. I had a blast talking with you and I can't wish you more success this year. We'll be keeping an eye on you and what's going on, but uh, thanks so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. If there's anything I can do, just please let me know. You're listening to Houston sports talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.